Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Russell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but just as two filmmakers trying to figure it all out for ourselves. Good morning. Good morning. So what are we doing today? What's on the list? What's on the, the sheet? We are going to be talking to a local filmmaker. I believe you say his last name, Heedley. So I'm going to say Jason Heedley. Oh, Heedley. Um, I reached out to him just to say, hey, let's get together as filmmakers. Um, and I said, also, you know, aside, I have a podcast, you'd make a great guest. And he was, because I heard that he had his first feature film out. I didn't realize, like, until I started digging into him, like, how successful his shorts had been and how successful his feature has been, too. It's just about to get released. It sounds like it's oh. a theatrical release on Friday. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to him. I think he's still Bay Area based. It seems like he might be doing commercial work through an LA company. Um, mm, cool. But yeah, I was going to meet with him and just have beers or a coffee and it never happened. But so this will be a little bit of a getting to know you episode with this guy. Yeah. Um, but I think it should be cool. Digital beers. Yeah, digital beers. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's funny because... Um, you know, I heard of him. I don't remember when it was exactly, but we we were at a show. Oh, do we to wait? Say this for the podcast, or let's, I don't well, know. let's wait till Jason joins. Okay. I'm gonna. I'll send him the link right now so he can jump on as soon as he gets it. My white joke was gonna be um, <laughs> since it's Headley and not Headley, we can't make any Headley Lamar jokes. Um, it might be Headley. Anyways, um, so let's. Well, while we're waiting, I guess before we want to jump into all the Jason stuff, I mean. Just because, yeah, as, as you'll probably have seen if you do any research, his shorts have amazing amount of views on them, which is really awesome. Um, he's also part of the Sam, or was, or is part of the San Francisco Film Society Film House thing. Oh, so yeah, that's right. I, I'm really curious to know more about this, this program. And, you know, my friend who's in it doesn't, you know, he, he has some interesting insight to it, but like, I think he feels like he hasn't taken full advantage of it. So. It'd be interesting to hear from from Jason what his thoughts on it are, and then I yeah. heard it's changing too, or in the midst of oh, a really? change. Yeah. So, in what way? Um. Well, Rob just sent me an email to one of the people there, and he was saying that they're looking to re re revamp it and sort of restructure the film house and maybe make it more accessible to other local filmmakers mm. in some mm. way. So. I don't know exactly what that means, if it's like a payment um, process or some sort of other way that it's going to work, and it's not just a once-a-year application thing. Um, oh, here's Jason. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We, we talked before you joined. We were trying to figure out if it's Headley or Heedley. It's Headley. Headley. Damn it, I was wrong. Nice. So like, do you want to make a joke now, Albert? No. I don't know. Do anyone, does anyone ever say Headley Lamar to you? Does sure. That, Blazing yeah. Saddles, classic. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. Yes. When he said Heedley, I was like, oh, no, no Headley jokes? Oh, man. <laughs> well, welcome, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Good. Where are you calling us from? San Francisco. You are nice. in San Francisco. Yeah. This is where I live. I thought maybe, for some reason, I thought it was the East Bay. No. I made that up, huh? I've been to the East Bay. My <laughs> <laughs> work is in I, Oakland. I know, I know of it. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I don't know. We were just gonna sort of start talking about how we first heard of you, and I think Timothy. That's right. Might have I don't know heard of you before, but we went to a screening of our one of a short a short we made together, and your short played with our short, 
and we saw it and we were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It was, um, it's all, it's about the nail. It's not about the nail. It's not about the nail. Yeah. 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 That was the one. That's my big hit single. Nice. (laughs) Play It's Not About the Nail. You're like, no, not that one again. Is that your first short film? Oh, Lord, no. No, I had made all kinds of shorts, um, and then that one just sort of blew up and changed things a little bit, or or quite a bit. So, yeah. I was looking at your YouTube channel, and it seems like the first things that you posted on the YouTube channel was like a fixed camera and three dudes performing on a stage. Oh yeah, that was a that was a play that I did. Um, I actually just posted up there for some guys that I get together with once a year. We do different things. One year we did we did this play, and um, I just put it on that YouTube channel to share it with them. <laughs> and <laughs> so now it's there, it's still there. Time. Yeah, I mean, I could take it down, but I figured like, why not show your roots? <laughs> so right. when you were when you were making shorts and posting them on YouTube, like, was that kind of like your the outlet for your films? Like, were you? trying to get momentum through youtube or was that just kind of a side channel that you're putting your shorts on and you're also pursuing film festivals or other things i yeah i started making shorts and then taking them to festival or you know trying to take them to festivals and um you know that that process got frustrating to me and um after a few different things right around it's not about the nail or actually um, at the bar, these things I started doing with a friend of mine or a few friends of mine. And um, I just started posting them online. I was like, well, this is like the world's biggest film festival. So why not just put it up there? And so that kind of became my strategy. And then um, and the most views I ever had for anything was like 3,600 views. <laughs> so I was living in uh, mild obscurity and, um, <laughs> and then I posted, it's not about the nail. And, it got 36,000 views in the first day. And, um, wow. And then that was a whole different ballgame. But when you made that short, you weren't like, I'm going to make a short that gets millions of views. Not at all. No, I just, I just, well, around that time when I started doing at the bar, even I started, um, I just started making, I started thinking the only thing I'm going to do is start making things that I would want to find in the world. And that became kind of my, I started wanting to follow my creative compass, as I call it, and um, try to protect that and pay attention to it. So I was just making things and putting them up there. And I, when I was making It's Not About the Nail, I thought, oh, pe- more people will like this than like some of the other stuff because it's a little more universal. Yeah. But um, I had no idea. I remember at one point when it was really taken off and everything, and I looked at my wife and I was like, I'd like a million views. That sounds kind of... It actually started over on Vimeo. The, all the traffic started on Vimeo first. So oh, really? I got another... I don't know. I've got other millions of views over there. And what were you doing at the time? Like you weren't a full-time filmmaker, were you? Or were you like working another job? No, I work, um, I've worked as a freelancer in advertising for years and years and years. So I was writing, um, and directing commercials. Okay. Yeah. So were these projects that you're doing the short films kind of trying to build you up to a feature film or were they really just purely for the joy of making content? Yeah, I I had been writing features for um, a while. I started with a I wrote a novel that got published, and then I adapted that into a screenplay. And then I was like, oh, I really like this, and so I wrote some original screenplays, and some of them were terrible, and uh, I mean they were all terrible, and then and then they just got better, but some were just flat out terrible, and I walked away, and others I fixed, and um, so then I started directing commercials, and I thought maybe I could direct my own films and so i started doing shorts just to practice and work with different crew and different actors and um actually make things and start putting things out in my voice 
and it was all just getting reps, you know, to to work up to doing a feature. Yeah, wow. Well, I, I think this is, I, I want to keep on jumping forward and asking more questions, but I think as a listener, uh, things like, uh, I just started directing commercials and, you know, like that kind of sentence. It's like, how did you just start directing commercials? Like, did you like make a reel and present yourself to companies? Did you, were you working at a place where they just gave you the opportunity to direct a commercial? Like, how did that first part start? I was freelancing and I was working on a project for ancestry.com and, I was working for a small agency. I've kind of had a funny career in advertising. I've kind of tried to stay out of the big agencies and and just kind of stay closer to the work. So I was working on this thing, and they they had a budget for a TV show, but not much of one, or a TV spot, not but not much of one. And the producer said, well, why don't you just direct it? And I said, I don't know what you mean. And she said, well, you're good with actors. I've heard you do radio and all that. And this was it was a super simple spot. It was just somebody standing in front of a white psych <clears throat> she said it's the same thing but there will be cameras around so i did that and i did like it and then we started doing more of those there's a ancestry.com um campaign that ran for a long time it actually got parodied by key and peel which is my uh, claim to fame on that <laughs> that's awesome so is that is that what you think about filmmaking that it's just um talking to actors with cameras around <laughs> well in this case it really was that um and then from there i've uh, i've grown and matured wow that's a great story because <laughs> i think that really like encapsulates like what i've we've heard a lot from other people is that you just get an opportunity to, to direct something and then all of a sudden now you're you're directing things you know um that like it I mean, I guess other people do it the other way where they like make reels and they go out and they shop themselves. Like we've heard those stories too, but it's often like some chance, you know, situation where you just get mm-hmm. into it, you know. But what, how hard was it to, for you to get the next directing job after Ancestry? Um, they sort of came from that same group of people that I was working with. So I just worked with them and, and then we'd get other clients and um, we would direct them and, uh, and then somewhere along the line, I can't remember a couple years ago, maybe, um, or a couple years before that, a, a production company reached out and wanted to sign me. And so we, I did a few things with them for a couple years, but it kind of didn't end up being the, the world's best fit. And then the past couple of years here, I'm really d- bad with dates. So it could have been, it could have been, <laughs> when I say a couple of years, it could have been 10, but, yeah. um, I signed with Slim Pictures down in LA and um I've been directing uh spots with them for for a few years now. And just curious, did these offers to direct for production companies come after the whole it's not about the nail thing or was it before that or at the same time? No, the first place was before, just before I'd already signed with them and then after it's not about the nail, I got a lot of people reached out and said, "Hey, what about us? Do you want to come talk to us?" and I was like, "Well, I'm already with somebody." So uh, the other question that we kind of glossed over too, um, it's like you, you said, uh, after, after it's not about the nail, things changed. And that's the thing that all filmmakers kind of hope with their shorts that they'll make a short and then things will change. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it really doesn't happen very often for people. So I'd love to hear <laughs> right. about like what changed, like what, what was that experience like? Well, it was nuts. Um, it was a good solid two weeks where my job was just answering emails. And then I started getting people reaching out from LA and, um, you know, agents and managers and all, and lawyers and all of that. And, um, so I, I went down and met with a bunch of people and I met with like 15 different people, which is really kind of like, you know, 
what you're describing, that thing where you're like, I'll do this thing and then I'll just have my pick of the litter. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, and when you say 15 different people, are you talking about agents or producers? Agents, managers, lawyers, um, some some producers, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I went down there and met with some people and I had this feeling like, well, this is my shot. This is where I got to um, find my, my crew. And um, so I decided I didn't really want to go with a manager. And then I ended up signing with an agent and um, I ended up signing with a lawyer. And so that was kind of my team there for a minute. And mm-hmm. um, for, uh, for again, a couple years, except this time legitimately a couple years, I remember it was um, 2013. And so you wait, you had an agent and you had a lawyer and what did you expect was going to happen with those two people? I expected that everything was going to get a lot easier. And, uh, mm-hmm. and in what way that you'd be able to just go to, go to them with your feature script and be like, here's what I want to make. And they're like, great, let's go get this made. I just thought it was going to end up in, um, multiples of opportunities, you know, that they were going to have keys to a lot more doors. Um, not the lawyer so much. He, I, you know, I knew what his job was. Uh, it was explained to me, you know, I'm here to help get the deals squared away and make sure that you don't get hosed. So, but I thought the agent was going to be someone who would, and, and, you know, in all fairness, he did introduce me to a lot of people. I went and had a lot of general meetings and, um, I read a few scripts that they were looking for, um, directors for. <clears throat> um, but I think like what happens in, in, uh, what can happen in relationships is like, I was someone that was, Oh, here's a thing. And this is going to be easy. I think he thought it was going to be easy too. And maybe it's not about the nail may not fully represent what it is I do and want to do. Um, and that, and that ended up kind of, um, I think that kind of wore us down a little bit. And, um, so after a couple of years with that, um, I parted ways. So oh, with that agent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in hindsight, um, I, you probably can't change anything, right? But if you could I don't choose, have the technology to change yeah, anything. Yeah, you don't have no. the technology to change <laughs> probably anything. Probably can't change and anything. And you can't, because I was going to say, <laughs> would you have made another film that was so successful that was more in your style? Which is a stupid question, because of course you have no control over that. But I guess what's the best case scenario that would have made this this agent relationship kind of turn into something is it that your short kind of fit into the world that you really wanted to play in yeah i don't know i mean honestly that was just because because it's not about the nail isn't not me that's so yeah, many I mean, to me it seems very much you yeah it's just the more um uh geez i don't know <laughs> it's the it's the broader side of me right so gotcha, um yeah yeah, because I feel like a lot of your performances, going back, uh, watch some of your earlier YouTube stuff. It's very understated and small, and even your feature film too. The performances are very understated and small. Yeah, that's that's the way I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, there. I think I think the like looking at that relationship, you know, I probably expected different things, and he probably expected different things, and. That's, you know, that's a tough road to walk together in a relationship. So, And were you doing anything outside of that relationship to try to get a feature film off the ground? I was. As a matter of fact, so like um, A Bad Idea Gone Wrong, the movie that's coming out, is um, <clears throat> I put that together 
myself with some other contacts that I had made uh, completely independent of that world. And um, so I got that up and running on my own. And, um, and I, you know, I wrote that script 100% from the perspective of, I want to write something that's small and manageable and that someone could read and go, gosh, we could make this pretty easily. And, um, but still use all the story craft that I'd been working on as a writer to still, you know, keep people engaged and, um, you know, have all your reversals and reveals and, um, drive to an ending that's satisfying and, so I tried to pour all that into a script and then make it, but like I said, make it something that when people read it as a, you know, a producer or somebody with money could say, this wouldn't be too hard. Yeah. Right. Single location, few actors. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what happened. Um, ended up getting some people, um, involved, red, red, uh, entertainment who were some people that I had done some commercials for actually down in Fort Worth okay. and they had done some independent films and I sent them. I emailed them because I was trying to figure out how to put this together myself here with um, some of my resources that I'd done shorts and commercials with. and But I had no idea what a film budget looked like. So I emailed these guys and said, <laughs> hey, would you show me what a film budget looks like? Because I know what a commercial budget looks like and we cannot sustain this over the course of days. Yeah, it's um, expensive to shoot commercials. Yes. So... So I sent it to them and then they, or, or I asked them that and they said, yeah, we can send you a budget, but what are you making? And so I sent them my script and lookbook and then they, um, got back to me a few weeks later and said, Hey, we might be interested in helping you make this. And that began the conversation. That's awesome. Wow. So these guys you said are in Fort Worth. That's right. Yeah. Gotcha. That was, that already answers one of my questions was why did you shoot your movie in Fort Worth? It's because your production team was there. Yeah. And they're a physical production, um, team. So they had, you know, their own crew and their own gear and their own connections to sort of do things, okay. um, at, at a better budget than somewhere else. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I want to just kind of like right now, jump forward all the way to like present day. I want to try to get through your whole story and then we'll go back and ask you questions and stuff. Sure. Uh, I just, I know all work is killing you, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I just I had noticed some red entertainment questions. <laughs> I noticed in your bio uh, it said that you are working with Pixar. Yes. Of movie. Yes. So what what's going on there? How did that happen? How that happened was um I went to the Austin Film Festival in 2010 and I met all kinds of people and um some of those people worked at Pixar and then I went back in 2011, and um, so by that point, um, my friend Emily, who worked at Pixar, uh, worked in development there, and we just became friends over the course of that year, and um, then she introduced me to um, the head of development there at Pixar, and then, I don't know, a year or two after that, <laughs> this is the theme, everything's a couple years. Um, Takes time. She, um, Mary at Pixar's said to me, Oh, I would, I would read a script of yours if you wanted. So I sent her a script and then a couple more years go past. And, um, another friend of mine, Pamela ribbon, uh, was working at Disney animation and she had somebody down there read, um, a bad idea gone wrong, that script. And then that ended up up at Pixar. And any rate, you know, years went by six years from when I first met Mary and then she, called and said uh, we have a project that you might be a good fit for and so I went in and interviewed and um, 
they talked to five people and they picked me for the job. So I'm writing a wow, movie. Wow, amazing. Wow. That's so cool. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. That's yeah, pretty damn good. So <laughs> I I feel like your story besides the time factor, you, a lot of things seem to kind of fall into your lap. Well, between the commercial job, the the short film views, the relationship with Red Entertainment, the Pixar connection, is it that easy? I mean, does well, it sound is I, it as I, easy as it I sounds? Would, I would phrase it differently, but I want to hear what Jason has to say first. <laughs> well, the commercial thing, I would uh, cop to that. Yes, I was not aspiring to do that. My entire advertising career was fairly accidental. But the other stuff is, um, it's a lot of. Uh, working on a lot of things really hard, um, putting, putting myself in a lot of places and positions, uh, and hoping for the best. And, um, I'm skipping a lot of rejection and dark days that happen in between. But, um, I think that's good to acknowledge because I do feel like it's so easy when you talk to someone who's like on the, this side of success for all the story to just sound like, this lined up and this lined up and then this lined up you can kind of build the story (laughs) in like a very nice way where like our podcast is really about me and Ulrich in that phase of rejection I know I've listened to you guys and you're you're so it's like a um, it's like a two person uh, uh, therapy session it's great (laughs) maybe one day you know we'll get to the point where like you there's all these uh, great opportunities that have happened and we'll be able to build the story as if none of this other shit happened but I I do like that we're kind of putting out in the world like here's what it sounds like to be the filmmaker in the middle of trying to find that success that Jason has well so like you know so what what were the things you pointed out um, as far as being easy go back to those or there was the directing thing (laughs) right commercial directing yeah that was Um, that was sort of accidental but i will say this that once i got once i was like oh i think i do like this and i came home and my wife was like you seem really happy when you come home from directing yeah so that became a thing i was like all right i'm gonna try and do more of this and um so i started doing all these shorts um which is never um, particularly easy. Like you have to try and get your crew together and figure out where you're going to shoot it. And um, um, you have to finish it. And it's just, you know, it's making a thing nobody wants. Nobody's like, well, when is that going to be done? Yeah. Nobody cares. Like, so you're just right. pushing, um, pushing a rope to try and get this thing made and do it at a quality that I want um, and the tone that I want. Um, so, you know, there's a lot, a lot of, you know, I don't know how many shorts I have by now, but there's a lot of hours put into that and a lot of like weird mornings of loading in crap and some strange space and like being at Trader Joe's the night before buying snacks and being like, what am I doing? Right. Um, (laughs) So can relate to all of that for that. And then, you know, this, you know, right at the, the thing with red, first off I had to write so many scripts, good ones and bad ones. Yeah, like how many scripts had you written before you hit upon A Bad Idea Gone Wrong? And then how long ago was the first draft of A Bad Idea Gone Wrong? Well, A Bad Idea Gone Wrong draft-wise came together pretty quickly because I was getting better. Um, But it was years of... I wrote my first script in 2004, and um, I finished that script in 2013, 2014, maybe early 2014. So there's 10 years of writing scripts. um, Sounds about right. When nobody gives a shit. (laughs) Um, but you can pretend like those 10 years never existed. (laughs) Well, no, they have to, I don't pretend they don't exist. I mean, you know, you're, you're forged in the fire of your own failure and, um, you know, so, um, and then going to Austin, for example, 
or wait, just to finish on red, you know, I got a call through a guy that I had met because when I went down for It's Not About the Nail with meetings, there was a guy that was like, hey, I have a small production company. Do you want to meet at a Starbucks? And I was like, man, I'll meet anybody. Let's go. And, um, you know, nothing came of that for, and then a couple years or a year later, he emailed and he was working for this outfit now in Fort Worth and said, they need, they need somebody to write and direct these commercials for them. Do you want to bid on it and all this? And I was, you know, in all frankness, I was slow work-wise, freelance-wise, um, and I needed work. And so, I, you know, it wasn't really super appealing to me to, like, go to Fort Worth and do this job, but I did it. And then, you know, it turned out to be a good thing. So, um, what, what else there? Oh, and then like going to Austin and meeting the, the Pixar folks. Yeah. I don't, I didn't want to go to Austin. Um, I didn't want to go to a thing and meet a bunch of people. I don't like doing that stuff, <laughs> but I had sent in a screenplay. I'd been entering into a lot of uh, screenplay competitions and, you know, only making it so far and getting rejected and these types of things. And Austin, I made the second round, which, just means the first round didn't reject you. And, um, but they were like, you should come down. They sent out a promotional mailing saying you should come down to Austin. It's great. And I read that thing and I was like, maybe I should do this. So, so you just went and you paid for it. Yep. Yeah. Nice. And then what was the experience like as, as just somebody who, who's at Austin with like a script that didn't quite make it into the festival? It was disorienting at first because I thought I'm going to go to, you know, I walked in, everything's about expectations and, and, um, I thought I was going to walk in here and hustle and walk out with some red hot contacts. And, um, what I instead walked out with were some really great friends. And that has actually proven to be the far more valuable thing. I met people who are taking it as seriously as I am and we read each other's stuff and we give, you know, good constructive but um, unvarnished notes. And uh, I, I became a better writer uh, almost instantly for n- knowing these people. Yeah, because what I was going to say, the different version of what Timothy said was like, oh, yeah. it looks so easy. <laughs> I was going to say, well, it looks like here's a guy who's been putting in the time, you know, and and doing all the right things and going to the events and putting himself out there, making movies, like just continually working on the craft over a long period of time and and not just stopping when it gets hard or whatever, or even stopping when it gets easy, you know? Like, it, you know, you could have easily not made another short film after it's not about the nail, just saying like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super successful now. Um, <laughs> now I should make a feature only. But no, you made another short film after that, it looks like. Several you know, of or them. More, yeah. more. So Including another millions of views short called Fuck That, which has... Yeah. And I just want to just mention how many views you have, because so the listeners know. Um, Fuck That has right now 10,762,770 views, and It's Not About the Nail has 15,938,379 views. Yeah, f- 15 million. You said 15,000. <laughs> 15 million. Sorry, 15 million. Yes. So 10 million and 15 million. Yeah, it's great. They were both they were both surprises. You know, that's the part where I will cop to um just like uh aw shucks in my way through things is I I don't think in terms of I want to make a video that's going to get millions of views or I'm going to make a movie that's going to this that or the other. I just um, try to kind of follow my nose a little bit. So in that way, 
I can, you know, things can sort of happen in those, in those viral videos. Like I have a friend who's like, but why aren't you promoting this and pushing this to make it? And I'm like, I don't know. It seems to be taken off on its own and I don't know why. So I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to not screw with the gears of that engine, you know? <laughs> right. So you might beat the bushes and all the haters will come out and kill it. Yeah. Yeah. But so in that way, like I enjoy that sort of happenstance, um, manner of like, Here's a, here's a great example of how, um, dumb I can be. I, so when, when fuck that came out, somebody emailed me and said, Hey, there's this, um, I'm doing some art event in England and, um, I can't tell you too much about it, but we'd love to show your video. And could we get a version of it with, it doesn't have the, um, watermark on it. I have a little like Jason Headley dot com watermark on it. I said, I was really busy with a bunch of stuff and I said, no. I don't know what this is. Sorry. And then he emailed back and said, Hey, are you sure though? I think you'll want to do this. I can't say much, but I think you'll want to do it. And I think I ignored that email. And then a few days later, he emailed back and said some, you know, asking again. And I said, listen, I don't have a copy available without the watermark. And if I did, I don't even know if I'd want to give it to you because that's how you knew to find me in the first place. So, yeah. uh, you know, but I said, if you want the, if you want the one with the watermark, I don't care. Fine. I'll, here's a link and you can use it. And he said, great. I'll be in touch next week and tell you what it is. I said, fine. And it turned out to be a uh, Dismaland. Banksy's Dismaland, um, wanted to show it. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that was really fun when That's all awesome. of a sudden, and I just really felt like a guy who had, um, you know, really dodged a bullet of, um, potential shame and regret when, <laughs> I found out that that's right. what it was. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the other things that you were doing, like as you were getting momentum in your career, like you also were a part of several labs and I want to know, like, did these labs contribute to your success at all? Like IFP narrative labs, IFP emerging storytellers and the SF film film house. So here's how that all came to be was I had applied to, um, SF film San Francisco film society is now SF film. Um, I had applied for some grants, you know, they have, a, um, they have a few, a lot of grants that they give out to different projects. And so I applied mostly, I didn't even honestly care about the money. <clears throat> I just wanted to kind of get in with a community and not feel quite so isolated and out on an Island. And, yeah, um, right. you know, when I cried, it'd be nice to have a shoulder to cry on. Um, so I applied for a grant and they said no. And then a few years later, I applied for another grant and they said no. But this time, um, someone emailed me personally and said, Hey, I just want to let you know that you're not gonna, we're gonna announce the finalists and you're not gonna be one of them. But there's a lot of people here who really liked your project. And so I took that opportunity again against my, um, instincts and said, Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Would you like to get a coffee or something? And so, um, I did that and then she just kind of talked to me about other things that were going on, including film house. And she said that the, that IFP was doing, um, their film week stuff and maybe I should apply for that. And so I did those things and, um, and I got into both. So that was like the first time I had ever had any group of any kind say like, Hey, maybe you're okay. You know, like a <laughs> validation. Yeah. Some sort of filmmaking group. I'd kind of been out on this weird fringe with a viral video and this type of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to, went to IFP emerging storytellers during film week and 
nothing really came of that, to be honest, except I just, again, met some other people. Um, but then, but then we, we did a bad idea gone wrong and they have these, um, narrative labs that are for projects, feature films, first time feature films that are in post-production and well, son of a bitch, suddenly I had one of these things. And so I reached out to the, them and I said, Hey, I'm going to apply. And, um, and I got into that. So I think, you know, all of that kind of roots from applying for this grant, getting rejected, but getting a nice email and using that opportunity to, um, try to get to know someone a little better. We're hearing kind of all the things that, that did work for you. How many things did you do that didn't work? I just did a panel, um, in, at Austin Film Festival. <clears throat> now, now I do, now I'm on the other side of it. I'm up on the stage doing panels, which is great. Um, but I did a panel that I organized myself with a few friends of mine and it was a call fa- called fail again, fail better. Yeah. And it was all about failure. Um, I love it. And I went through a list of all of the, um, screenplay competitions that I had entered from 2010 to 2015 and the results thereof. And the best result I had was I was a quarter finalist for a nickel fellowship. Uh, I was, I've been rejected from the Sundance screenwriters lab seven times. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I've been rejected from, uh, I don't know all, I mean, that's it. Like I have a couple semi-finalists or a quarter finalist here, you know, I don't know these little things, but mostly it's been, nope, no, thank you. Yeah. We're not interested in anything you're doing. Well, it's just, there's Um, so many different things that you can kind of pay to play in the filmmaking community. And I think we all want to play because we don't know what's going to turn into something. And, you know, hearing stories about people who have found success and, you know, it's a lot of it's just kind of showing up it's easy to think that you just have to kind of do everything and, and, and just hope that at least one of those turns into an opportunity, but getting all those rejections, like in hindsight now, is that what would you recommend people submit their screenplays to screenplay competitions? Like, is that something that helps? Do you think that it's important for people to go into like these labs or, or grants to, to meet other filmmakers? Like how important is that stuff to people finding success? Yeah, I would do all of it to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Because the truth is, here's, here's the thing that was really always great about it was those things give you deadlines and they make you <clears throat> the, the actual just screenplay competition like Austin every year was that's a deadline that I have to hit. So I need to, if I'm going to fix up this script or write this new script, I have to get it ready in time for that. <clears throat> so deadlines help you get things done or they help me get mm. things done. Yeah. Like um, the other thing is like the, Sundance labs are a little bit different because you don't actually send in the script. You send in all this other rigmarole that they want. And it's a lot of like, you know, artistic statements and summaries and, you know, all these types of things. And they're just a real pain in the ass to put together. But every single time when I'm finished with doing that, it gives me a better perspective on the project that I'm working on. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I did. I've applied now twice to San Francisco film I forget exactly which one it is, but it is like that kind of application process where you have to describe so many different things about your film. And it's not just submitting the screenplay that yeah. did help me kind of define it better for myself. Yeah. It makes you think about it from a whole different, not, mm-hmm. I mean, not a whole different angle, but a slightly different angle that makes you go, Oh, I don't know. I find it extremely helpful, even though 
uh, it's hurtful in the end when they say no. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> it's it's stuff that I wouldn't have done on my own. Kind of forces right. me to do it and for this application process. But yeah, and then on the other end, you don't get into it, which hurts. But at least you've done some more work in telling your story, which is always helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And the same goes for doing like a, um, a lookbook for film. You know, I've started doing those for my scripts that I want to direct and kind of want to have ready because I think that made a huge difference when I sent that script to um, Red. You know, I sent it with the lookbook so they could read the script and look through the lookbook and go, oh, this this is a real thing. I can see what this is. And putting those things together is tedious, but also really helpful to just start thinking it through as a movie and not a script. So, Well, nice. dude, congratulations on everything you've achieved, because all the things that you have achieved in like the last 10 years are the things that we filmmakers dream of. So I don't know if it feels that way to you, but from the outside looking in, it's kind of like, fuck man, like you're, you're making it happen. Yeah. You know, right now I was at a, I was at a, uh, oh, it was, it was when I was in Austin in October and, um, I, it was nice because I did feel like, oh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I have, I have real, um, decent self-esteem during a mingle right now (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I can say, oh, I got a movie coming out December 1st and, uh, I'm writing a movie at Pixar right now. That's so cool. Yeah. Kind of double wins. Can't really say we'll hope for more than that. Right. (laughs) You know, the actual release on your first feature. You can uh, hope for more. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm greedy enough to hope for more, but right now it's really, (laughs) it's really fun to just, um, be out you know, um, you know, t- today the iTunes pre-order link came live. And so it's like, this is real. This is really happening, you know, and the trailer uh-huh. is up and out. And, um, you know, we're getting ready to Matt Jones and I are going to be on the world's tiniest promotional tour to go um, to Chicago and Houston and um, maybe L.A. to do some Q&A's and a couple of we're doing a theatrical run, a very brief theatrical run on the film. So all this stuff is just kind of like crazy you know it's 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 what i um have been hoping for so you know it was, it was crazy enough to get into south by with the with the feature let alone to win an award um you know all of it's um feels really nice right now so i'll remember these days later when i'm uh fashioning a noose out of my own belt yeah back in the shit <laughs> yeah i'm i'm curious just um there's a probably a few other questions i have but the the one i think that's the most relevant is just about um the feature and mm-hmm. so once the movie's done and it's, it's edited you're working with with red entertainment um so was it like at that point like we love the movie let's see how well it does let's send it to film festivals and take it from there or like what was the process for deciding if it was going to get a theatrical release like did they already know they wanted to release it theatrically at that point or can you just talk us through that process a little our distribution deal is sort of three pieces um there's um freestyle bought the bought the rights but Amazon had already bought the streaming rights for two years. Um, and then the theatrical we're putting together ourselves through Red. Um, so the theatrical came about through a relationship with the, the people at Red have and, and a few other, um, like a, a guy at um, Alamo Draft House liked the movie and was putting in a few of his theaters. Um, we're going to play the Alamo Draft House here in San Francisco, but just a one, one day screen or one screening one night, uh, December 2nd. So that's been kind of all piecemeal through relationships. Um, freestyles taking it through kind of the usual channels of, um, 
iTunes and all the um, uh, Amazon cable VOD. Like it's going to be everywhere, which is great. We're kind of learning this as we go along. And each week there's a call about like this person picked it up and this person picked it up and it's going to be in all the places. So that's nice. It'll be a easy to say, like you can watch it and just look where you, wherever you want to get a movie, that's where it'll be. So yeah, did that answer your question? Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, did those deals with with Freestyle and the other distribution deals did those happen just through Red Entertainment, like when the movie was being made, or was that like after it, you know, got accepted into South by and did well, and and from there, it was all after South by. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. I think Allwork's question is: Did you have a distribution plan going into shooting the movie? No, our distribution plan was the the festival route, basically. Yeah, okay. we'll make a movie, you enter festivals, and hope yep. and find a distributor there. Exactly. Gotcha. Right, and then I guess the other question is: Did Red Entertainment fully finance the film, um, or did you have to bring some financing to the table in order for them to, you know, take the movie on? No, they financed it. Yeah, nice. they financed it. Yeah, awesome. So let's do a little commercial for a bad idea gone wrong. Your first feature, debut feature, is what they call these things. Mm-hmm. It's coming yeah. out. December 1st is the the drop date? Yep. December 1st, you can get it anywhere. It'll be in some theaters. Um, you can go to abadideagonewrongmovie.com to see if it's at a theater near you. Uh, odds are it isn't, but mm-hmm. um, but it's going to be in, like I think, 12, 13 markets out there. Um the movie is um, so, like I said, I wanted to I wanted to make something that was sort of very um, makeable, but also without sacrificing anything in the way of story. I just didn't I didn't want it to be like cool trick. I wanted it to be a good story. So, came up with this story about these two would be thieves who break into a house, and right after they break in, they accidentally arm the alarm system, and so now they have to break out of the house that they just broke into. And then they discover a house sitter they didn't know was going to be there. Um, and so they have a mild hostage situation on their hands and uh, wacky hijinks ensue. But um, it's really about a story about, I, I thought of it while I was writing it, about three people who are trapped in their own lives who end up trapped in the same house and um, all the things they have to do to get out of both of those situations. And have you always been a writer of your own work? Have you ever directed anything that somebody else has written besides commercials? No, no. Other than commercials, I've always just been um, writer director. And why is that important to you? I don't know if it's important. Um, you just don't know any writers that write as well as you do. <laughs> it's not as well, you know. I think there's <laughs> something about voice that's key for me. Yeah. I mean, so my strengths as a director are very much story and performance. Um, those are the things that I care most about in the movies that I love and in the things that I make. Um, so, you know, the voice of something is, can be really specific to my ear. Um, so I don't know. And on top of that, like I'm just sort of a, a writer first in a lot of ways. So I always have stuff that I want to do. So, um, the idea of someone else being like, Hey, I have a script. Like, so do I, um, <laughs> I see your script with my script. Yeah. Now, when I was, when I was, when I had the agent, you know, every now and then he'd send a script, um, and be like, Hey, they're looking for a director for this to be an open project. And they weren't offering it to me. They were just saying like, Hey, we're looking for people. And it was really funny. Cause 
I would sit down and read these things and they'd be like such and such person's attached like an actor. And I would sit down to read these things and be like, all right, man, you're going to love this script. Here we go. Sit down, read this thing. You're going to love it. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be great. And then, you know, you get about 10 pages in, you're like, huh? And then, you know, 30 pages in, you're like, oh no. And, uh, (laughs) so by the end, I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't do it. Um, and I think that was a source of frustration as well. You know, in that relationship it's like, no, but you like, you know, you put your own stamp on it. I'm like, I don't know how to stamp this. (laughs) (laughs) You rewrite it. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't we just start over with here? Here's a script I wrote. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious back to the agent thing. Like when you did have your agent and you did have your script, I did, what was the conversation like when you read a script you didn't like and you're like, Hey, I have a script here that I do want to do. I mean, would he be able to put any work into trying to get that movie made or was that he like, no, no, I can't do that. Um, he might send a thing around and then go have a couple meetings on it. But, um, there's no real enthusiasm for things that don't have money behind it, you know? And it's <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's crazy in some ways because you're like, well, there are people with money who are looking for things. You know, it's a, it's kind of a races, not horses game there, um, versus the other way around. And what's the way to put Well, so it's even with a bad idea gone wrong, which wasn't the world's biggest, you know, picture. The once it was set and we had money and we, we actually set our, um, shoot date. And we were like, we're going to shoot between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's our window. And no matter what, basically, that's how it's going to work. And once we did that, like, even just talking to actors and actors reps, they, everything got much more real. And, um, and even my agent at the time suddenly was like, okay, this is a real thing. It just, they, they don't have time for things that aren't real, you know, quote unquote real. So, whereas I have nothing but time for those things because you know i have (laughs) to make things real right um but you know they're kind of taking calls all day and worrying about things that are gonna pay because they're gonna get 10 percent of that yeah so i want to ask this was your first feature film how different is it directing a feature film from short films you know in some ways it's the exact same thing um I, uh, I had a friend who got me on the set of a, a bigger, you know, film production one time. And I remember walking on the set and being like, Oh man, there were extras wearing army uniforms and stuff. And I was like, Holy shit. Um, this is a big thing at cranes with lights. And then, um, got to go over and watch the scene. And it was, um, Clive Owen and, um, Robert Duvall were doing a scene together. And I was like, this is going to be crazy. This is great. And then they started doing it. It's just the same stuff, you know? It's like grade A quality people, but, you know, it's a couple guys around a table having a conversation. I was like, well, that's what I do. Um, so, yeah. So in that way, you know, the actual work is the same thing. The thing that is different is kind of hard to articulate in the, um, the longest I'd shot before this was three days in a row, you know, and this was, 17 days, which isn't a ton more, but it's, um, it's, you feel it, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's a, there's that part of it, like the physical part of it. And then there's the, um, there's the, the kind of keeping all the stuff straight. Um, you know, one tiny thing in our movie that was a bigger hassle than I thought it was going to be was continuity because it all takes place over basically 48 hours. And 
we didn't shoot it in order. Right, because like with commercials, you can kind of keep everything in your head pretty yes. easily. And then shorts is a little harder because they're longer, but you can still pretty much do it. But I imagine trying to keep an entire feature in your head and all the different options that you've already shot and what you still need to get is probably impossible. Yeah, I mean, by the time I was on set, I knew that story inside and out. Um, backward and forward, but there was just, yeah, there's just little things that are kind of hard to articulate about. And, and, um, with this, with the same, working with the same three people every day, luckily, like we all got along and we all appreciated what we were doing together. But, you know, there are just days where you're like, I don't know, I'm tired and I can tell he's tired. Um, and these actors, the, the nice thing is they got to go, I'm in every scene of this movie. That's going to be great. But the downside is here, we're going to shoot, you know, six pages today. And then tomorrow we're going to shoot six or seven more. And that means that you have to know all those lines and then dump them and know the more tomorrow. So, you know, it was a little grindy um, right. from their perspective. And while so, you were shooting it, did you feel like, man, I'm nailing this? Or were you more probably like me? This is the worst thing ever. Like, this is never going to work. <laughs> No, I don't between. tend to. I don't tend to think things are the worst thing ever. I mean, there are uh, little okay. moments where That's you're like, "Oh, me. I have." I remember one particular scene that was going poorly, but you know, I'm very much from the perspective of let's acknowledge that and fix it. Um, so there was a scene and it wasn't going well, and it was kind of no one's real fault. We just weren't finding the rhythm of it, and we weren't finding. We had some blocking issues, you know, just part of it was technical, part of it was artistic. And um, so, you know, just staying in there and um, sticking with it, that's all it is. Like just just like on the um, macro scale with your, you know, career, so to speak, is, you know, sticking with it. I find the same skills apply on set where, you know, I'm not going to lie to anybody and say, like, this is going great. You know, like, let's just... This isn't right yet, but we're going to figure it out. Um, I had a lot of fun. You know, it was a fun movie to shoot. There, were, I have memories of almost blowing takes, being around the corner, um, trying not to laugh. Um, it was just really fun watching the choices that the actors would make, and then um, and then starting to work together on those and figure out what you know how to. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I had a I had a blast, and I'm ready to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And was there anything that surprised you in the edit room? Yeah, you know, editing is, it's funny. I've worked with the, I've worked with the same editor. Um, he's here in the Bay Area, Tim Fender. Work with him. Everybody go work with him, uh, but leave a little time for me. Um, you know, editing is one of the first things I kind of did in filmmaking because working as a, as a copywriter, you know, you go shoot the thing and then you go sit with the editor and work on it. And so that was kind of the first place where I learned how things work and how they cut together. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I kind of tend to shoot with the edit in mind a little bit. Um, so as far as surprises in the edit, I mean, it was just a grind. Tim and I were like, man, this is <clears throat> so much more stuff. You know, we have to do it every day. <laughs> yeah. Is he a commercial editor? Yeah, yeah. Was this his first feature? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. We'd done a lot of shorts together, but it was both of our first features. Uh, So that's cool. Yeah, but it was just you know, like most things, um, artistically, from my perspective, it's like working in. um, It's 
it's what I imagine woodworking is. I've never done any woodworking, but you know, you start with like a, a cutting tool and then you get to a certain grid of sandpaper and you work down to a finer, you can't do it all at once. You have to just do it in a pass and in a pass and in a pass. Right. Yeah. With something that big, I kind of, yeah, imagine it's a big block of marble and you know, you're trying to create the statue of David. And the first thing you have to do is just create the outline of a man. Right. You have to just get the shape in there and then you can start going in and, and chipping in the fine details yeah but yeah you can't do it all at once i forget who the sculptor i read some quote from some famous sculptor is talking about you know doing a sculpture of david and he looks at the block and he says well i just have to remove all the parts that aren't david <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like that yeah so i have um five questions that i want to ask you but before we do Alric, is there anything else that you want to to get into yeah i mean there's more questions but i think you know it would just open up a can of worms and we'd be here for another 30 minutes so i think <laughs> um i think we should wrap it up but yeah very fascinating story okay cool inspiring i think to me it's inspiring. super inspiring because you know uh i've been doing this for a yeah around 10 years writing doing like you writing a bunch of screenplays a lot of them are not working did or did not work and wondering if i'll ever write the one that does work that does turn into a feature film and it's it's easy to lose faith that it'll ever happen but you know hearing your story it gives me hope well you know it's funny i I was talking about this with somebody the other day because i'm in this place now where like oh all the parts of the story make sense now and you can go well that happened (laughs) but blah 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 this happened and now i'm in a place and it's the same when you read like you know if you read a biography or watch a, a biopic or something you don't, you can never really feel the parts that are low. You can go like, oh no, they're low. That, you know, they think it's not going to work, but I already know it is going to work, you know? Right. So I'm in this place right now where it's working. Um, I'm not delusional enough to think that I'm in a place where it's always going to work. But um, yeah, I like, I vividly remember the times where I thought, well, I guess maybe I'll just quit. Maybe I'll just stop. And, um, and, The thing that made me not stop is the feeling of basically, well, what else are you going to do? And then also, (laughs) if you stop, it's definitely not going to work out. So, Yeah, I guess what keeps me going is just I don't imagine a life without this in it. I just can't imagine not trying and not writing and not making films and there's just something in me that enjoys it so much that I just, I can't walk away from it as much yeah. as I want to quit. And I've talked about it many times on the podcast and we even had a, had a listener hate that I talk about quitting on the podcast, but right. it's a real feeling. <laughs> it's a real feeling, even though I know in the back of my head, I, I don't think I'll ever quit. Yeah. And <clears throat> I was talking this weekend with some friends and I said, you know, the thing that I really enjoy about storytelling is once I can engage with a question that I can wrestle with over a period of drafts and explore and play around, that to me is just fun. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not always fun, but that's the sort of thing that I enjoy and um, seek out. So that's a place for me to focus it. You know, maybe it's the student left over in me that I, um, that I just like that part. So I like having a question that I'm trying to explore and, um, keeps me engaged in the world. So here are uh, the last five questions that we're trying to ask as many people as we can. Um, 
we're still defining this list a little bit, but it's starting to solidify. We've already talked to two other filmmakers and asked them the same thing. The spirit of this is to try to answer them quickly in like a few sentences, um, even though you'll probably want to address them bigger, but just try to keep it short. Okay. Got it. So the first one is, this is the lightning round. This is the lightning round. Got it. Uh, David Fincher says you're doing pretty good. If you can get 70% of what you want on a film set, do you agree? If so, what percentage are you getting from your films right now? Oh, um, it was supposed to be a short answer, but I don't understand how to do math, uh, uh, quantitative things with qualitative things. So, <laughs> um, it, I, I talk about the fact that you start out with an idea and it's perfect and it's beautiful in your brain. And then, and then I just start getting my dirty mitts all over it and it just turns into a shit pile through the writing and then the shooting and all that. And by the end you have something else and it's not the beautiful thing that was in your mind, but it's better than the beautiful thing that was in your mind because it's real. I like that. So there. Number two, what's the thing you struggle with the most as a filmmaker? You mean, um, well, for me, the thing that I, like my weakest muscle, kind of my gimpy leg is, um, the visual stuff like I have to really think that through on a uh, I'm getting much better at it you know like like anything you practice but you know the idea of some people are very quick about yeah you put the camera here and we're gonna do this and we're gonna swoop around here and do one of the doodly do's and all that and whereas I'm so performance based you know I'm an actor focused that often those things are um, very secondary to me number three if you could travel back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? I don't uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do that without funny. screwing everything that's up. Funny. Number four. Uh, well, let's say number three. So are you just saying like you wouldn't change anything? I mean, uh, only because I'm... Uh, I would change all kinds of things, but it would just be a whole different life then, you know? Gotcha. So I don't know. Number four, do you have a goal as a filmmaker? I do. Yeah. I just would like to, um, write and direct feature films on kind of a steady basis or as long as that I, as long as I have, um, interesting questions that I want to ask. And the last one is, is making movies hard? It, it, it is, but there are harder things. Um, it is it is hard, but it's like the type of um, hard that you volunteer for as opposed to <laughs> working in a coal mine. Right. It's fun yeah, hard. That's so know? funny. Yeah. Um, I, I, was, I just want to take this chance just to very really quickly say that just because we, we're saying making movies is hard, we're not saying it's not fun <laughs> and that we don't enjoy it. Because I, I was listening to another podcast and they kind of dropped a little bomb again a, a, a little hit on us in the middle of one of their episodes and i was like no no it doesn't mean we don't love it damn it yeah <laughs> so yeah a lot anyways. of things a lot of things that are hard are um are worth it you know right other things are just hard just straight up hard and and uh have no value <laughs> I, I have one last sneak question that uh, uh, I don't know if question. you can can answer or not, but I want to ask it anyways. Let's find out together. So, so you're you're writing this movie for Pixar. Is there any chance that you would be able to direct this movie, or are you only just writing it? No, no, there's no chance I'll direct. They have a they have a great director, um, and 
it's a very director driven place. Like they're the ideas and stories come from the directors and their lives. And, um, so I'm on board to help, help tell that story. Um, and be the, I told him, I said, I want to be, uh, because the way they make movies is very, very different. Um, and I told him, I said, I just, I want to be the crew member that I always want to have for you. So that's yeah, what I'm that's doing. awesome. And then follow up. Is there a future where you would be able to direct a movie for Pixar, or do you feel like that's like a unknowable question to answer? Yeah, that's not. I I try to stay myopic on. I would. I I don't think that's something that I. Um, that's a very different type of directing. A very different job. Right, because I guess the animation part of it is is probably pretty integral. And I, from my little experience, I. I know that a lot of the people who direct for them are also artists and animators and things too often. So yeah, yeah I think that's the, the root of where those, where those people come from, which is, which makes a lot of sense. Nice. And then one last question, since, since that answers that question about the Pixar thing, do you have like, I'm sure you're on with Pixar for a certain amount of time. Do you already, are you already planning what's next after that? Or are you just on this Pixar thing? And then like, that's all you're focusing on for now. I, you know, I'm, uh, the Pixar thing has me very busy and, um, and there's sort of a set amount of time. It's a little bit at their discretion. There's the options that as we go along, um, and then, then there's a hard end of the contract. So, you know, I'd think about what, what might come at the, at the end of the contract in the summer. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always, but I, but I can't get too far ahead of it because I don't know who I'll be then. You know, right. That's, I'll just that's be, good. I'll just be ready for whatever happens. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, Timothy, any last things or are we all done here? I think you did enough last things. We're, I did enough. Good. <laughs> yeah. good. Dude, good, good, Jason, good. thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad that we saved all of this getting to know you stuff for the podcast. It was really fun. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, I still want to get a uh, beer with you. Yeah, we'll do it. That's I have, true. uh, normally my voice won't be as, uh, squeaky and smoky as this when it's not eight in the morning or um, <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sorry <laughs> this is yeah i know this is a tough time for filmmakers to record podcasts <laughs> like especially in, if you're in advertising advertising days don't start till like 10 a.m at the earliest yeah yeah but we did i think we did a great job i'm gonna give it five stars <laughs> great <laughs> um nice. well thanks again everyone go check out jason's movie a bad idea gone wrong and if you have any interest in seeing it and uh, it doesn't come out till Friday, December 1st, but you should pre-order it because pre-orders help with like rankings and stuff. So like, yeah, pre-order yeah. would be huge. Um, yeah. Check out the, check out the trailer. And uh, if it looks like something you might like, just go ahead and buy it now. Yeah. It'll be there for when you need it. And where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Do you have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? I've got all those things. If you go to jasonheadley.com um, down at the bottom are, are the, uh, all the little icons and you okay. can find them there. Cool. We'll include that in, uh, in our show notes so people can go to makingmoviesishard.com and find that. Um, and if you want to get in contact with Ulrich and I, you can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. You can um, also just go to our website and find all, all that stuff there. And uh, while you're there, sign up to receive our weekly email, with, which is just basically the show notes. We'll send them out on Monday morning. You get the links to all this stuff without even having to search for it, which is great. And then finally, if you guys like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We love those. They help get the word out, and we just like reading them. 
um that's it that's our show thanks jason and thanks alric thanks guys yeah thanks so much jason and everyone else will talk to you next week